Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear friends. Are you interested in obtaining an inheritance? There are probably some who would shrug their shoulders when faced with that question. Perhaps they're quite satisfied with what they have today. They don't look for anything they might gain beyond today. And there will be others who don't even think of tomorrow. In their opinion, there is no heaven and there is no hell, so why bother with a future and an inheritance which for them is no more than a dead end? But then there are those who would eagerly grab whatever goods might come their way. For in this life, they say, there is nothing but death and taxes, so you might as well eat, drink, and be merry while you can. Now, when Jesus was on earth, however, he did not teach such a morbid perspective on life and death. He began his ministry with this message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. In fact, the kingdom of God is at the very heart of Jesus' message. More than a hundred references to God's kingdom are shattered throughout the preaching and teaching of Jesus in the Gospels. Even in the time between his resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven, the Gospel writer Luke says Jesus appeared to the disciples over a period of 40 days, and spoke about the kingdom of God. When you read the letters of Paul, to name only one apostle, you quickly find that this kingdom of God figured prominently also in what he said and wrote. And now the last three times on this program, we've concentrated on what are called the fruits of the Spirit. There we came across Paul's warning to those who insisted that the Galatian Christians stick to Jewish ceremonial laws. And that insistence led many to live a life of shameful immorality, discord, and envy. And no wonder, for they failed to live by the Spirit, and so by God's grace alone. Solemnly, Paul warned them, those who live such sinful lives will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible shows us that the kingdom of God is the rule of an eternal, sovereign God over all the universe. That's clear even in the Old Testament. For example, in Psalm 103, verse 19, we read, God has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Even that heathen king Nebuchadnezzar had to declare, His, that is, God's kingdom, is an eternal kingdom. And yet many of you will know that one of the petitions of what is known as the Lord's Prayer says, Your kingdom come. And that indicates God's kingdom is not yet complete. That simply is because God is still at work with people, molding their hearts, calling them to repentance, having them grow in the knowledge of his power and his care for Christ's church. Besides, the devil is still around, 
and he has a kingdom of his own, which Jesus Christ has laid to waste in principle with his victory on Calvary's cross. And yet that dark and sinister evil kingdom will be utterly destroyed at Christ's second coming. When Jesus Christ came on earth, the kingdom of God came very near to people, for he would show himself to be king. All authority in heaven and on earth would be given to him. The kingdom of God is found in the hearts of those who submit their lives to him. When they pray, Your kingdom come, they ask the Lord to rule them with his word and spirit so that they submit to him more and more. I hope it's clear that seeking God's kingdom must be an important concern for a person's life. Those who defy God's authority and refuse to submit to him are not part of the kingdom of God. And yet those who acknowledge the lordship of Christ and gladly surrender to God's rule in their hearts surely have a wonderful inheritance in and of his kingdom. In more than one parable which Jesus taught, he labored to show some of the riches of his kingdom as well as the necessity to pursue those riches. In Matthew 13, there are a number of parables, including one called the parable of the hidden treasure, as well as the one about the pearl of great price. I'd like to concentrate on the latter for a few minutes. For in verse 45 of chapter 13, Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Evidently, there is a still existing oriental profession of traveling jewelers who deal in precious stones and pearls and who travel great distances seeking to make some advantageous purchase. Some have been known to find a very valuable gem and in order to obtain it, sold all their possessions in order to get it. Someone has said that in this regard, the jewelers of the East as a body are perhaps the greatest travelers in the world. Now, pearls are still in high demand today, and some are of great value. Recently, an item appeared on a newscast of what may be the world's largest pearl. Found ten years ago, in a giant clam, and kept as a good luck charm by a Philippine fisherman, this pearl weighs no less than a whopping 34 kilograms and is more than 65 centimeters long and 30 centimeters wide. Now, pearls are formed when clams and oysters and other mollusks coat an intruding grain of sand or some other tiny thing with calcium carbonate. Successive layers build up and end up producing a beautiful iridescent pearl, a jewel for some fortunate lady to hang around her neck. Jesus spoke of this merchant man who was on the hunt for goodly pearls. Surely he represents those citizens of the kingdom 
who are willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of obtaining the prize of the kingdom of God. Now, when a natural pearl is formed around a very small intruder, like a grain of sand, or some other minute object inside the body of a mollusk, there is a similar building around a different seed in the heart of a person. That seed, as the Bible shows in more than one place, is the Word of God. When it falls into the fertile soil of a heart that is opened by God's Spirit, it takes root and is built up, and it comes to maturity through the work of that Spirit. It is an amazing process that goes on during one's whole life. That Word of God was proclaimed by the Apostle Paul in many places. Oh yes, it was rejected by man while others tried to coat it with man-made philosophies intended to rob that word of its power. But now here we are, and here is God's word. It is the same today as it was in the days when Jesus himself declared it as did his servants, the apostles, and earlier the prophets. This Jesus says to you and me, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all the material things that you need to live will be yours as well. May we do so. May the church which Christ placed at the center of his kingdom not be neglected. May you too be joined to that church, wherever Christ Jesus has established it, and where that word is faithfully proclaimed. May you be joined with those who fight what the Bible calls the good fight of the faith. In this way, the way of the Spirit, shunning all evil thoughts and useless opinions, praying that in the coming of God's kingdom and glory, the works of the devil may all be destroyed. Amen, and thanks again for listening.